the Cinema Drippa podcast. As I always, everything right now. <laughs> that's right, Christian. Just made your your volume peak in your ears. I am Scott Lentz here with my good friend and co-host Christian Ubius, and one half of the Super Color Brothers. It's Keenan Color joining us from the Hollywood Week podcast. Gentlemen, I hope your ears have recovered from my outburst. How are we doing on this fine, fine post Mario Brothers movie evening? I mean, I'm in a I'm in a blazer drinking wine. That's that's on its own. I'm 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 classy, the way that the way that the Brooklyn Brothers would want me to be. Gentlemen, it is an honor and a privilege as always to be joining you tonight on such a monumental occasion. Scott, the intro, ten out of ten. Loved it. Didn't know your voice could go that high. I am so excited to talk about this movie. Uh, I have so many thoughts. It's going to be a great time. You can call me Meryl Streep because I am Mama Mia, baby. Let's do it. I had a feeling you would have some kind of creative intro for yourself, Keenan, and you did not disappoint. Of course, folks, we are here to kick off a brand new blend of the month here on the Cinema Drip podcast as we are going to look at video games in the movies this month in April in honor of the newest video game movie but also the box office sensation the super mario brothers movie which released just last week from whenever you are getting this podcast and you're listening ears of course we all are sitting here on a monday so only a few days removed from the recent release of the movie I'm sure at this point, a lot of people listening have already caught up with this, of course, because it's made ridiculous amounts of money already (laughs) at the box office. As I said, not only the number one movie of last weekend, but nearing $400 million at the global box office. It's the biggest opening weekend for an animated film ever. The biggest opening weekend for a video game adaptation. And there's even a Wikipedia page for this in terms of video game movies by box office this is already at number six and that's less than a week out in theaters so this is going to be a very big movie and i'm sure people are going to have seen it by the time they get this episode christian and keenan actually keenan you're our guest here i turn it to you just what are your vibes how are you feeling the the afterglow of the mario movie i I assume you took the whole family to go see it well actually i know that you took the whole family to go see it you sent a picture in uh mario attire which i appreciated but just how how is the feeling over there at the color household incredibly positive took the family this weekend on saturday my two children my wife the baby stayed home not quite ready for the for the imax experience yet but what a, just hung back by by herself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we cracked the windows. We left her in the car. She she was fun. <laughs> uh, but what an experience! What a ride! What a rush! I'm not gonna get too much into my thoughts now. But when you just ask, what are the vibes? Oh my goodness, man! It's it's high, very high. Christian, are your vibes equally high, or, or where are they sitting at this point? Uh, so I have a proposition, Keenan. Can we like team up against Scott for this episode? I was planning on it, yeah, because from from I okay, assumed cool. that was going to be happening. From anyway. what I know, from what I understand in the pregame, mm-hmm. me and Christian like to feel joy and happiness and a sense of childhood wonder. <laughs> Scott wants to go watch the Constant Gardener or whatever that movie with Rachel Weisz was from two thousand six, and. I have not seen The Constant Gardener. Did so. I even did I butcher that name? Take that. Okay. <laughs> well, no, that is the name of that movie, but I haven't seen deep it. cut. Okay, but so let's just leave it at that. Me and me and Christian are a little bit more joyful. Scott, 
We do like the true cinema experience. I I sat on this very podcast and went absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs about John Wick Chapter 4 just a week ago. So <laughs> I have experienced joy at the cinemas, gentlemen, and I've I done like so recently movie. for movies that are good. And I am, I am here to represent the counterpoint for the Mario movie. Of course, as we just get some of these details out of the way, the Mario Brothers movie, although it has done very well financially, has caused a little bit of social media uh, divisiveness, which movies from franchises like this tend to do. Sometimes it's the critics versus the fans of said franchise, and that is the case, unfortunately, for the Mario movie. It debuted to pretty mixed and relatively muted critical reviews. I think the last I saw was a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, so far from the worst possible outcome, like the original Mario movie, but... This uh, not what people wanted in terms of a fandom perspective, yet a very high audience score. And obviously the box office is matching that pleasing reaction from, from the crowd here. So we'll have to get into our respective thoughts on the movie as we get into our review. I think I'll be representing the con. You guys will be representing the pro for sure. Okay, you know what other movie critics hated? National Treasure. They gave it a 46%, Scott. Well, I mean, National Treasure, it's, it's an underrated classic. In, in that respect. John Voight. But the audience can't be trusted. They hate, it on, they hate on good movies all the time, Christian. <laughs> so Rotten Tomatoes is a very bad metric for, for enjoying movies, and we don't need to get into that today. Just some quick details here about the movie. If you have not seen it yet or if you want to know some of the other behind the scenes players as christian and i like to share here on the show was directed by michael jelenic and aaron horvath hope i'm pronouncing jelenic's name correctly there and those two are known for teen titans go keenan have your amazing has your oldest kid made it to teen titans go yet do you have any experience there uh negative no um and I don't know if she will. We'll find out. Uh, maybe my son, okay. my daughter, I don't think she's really vibing with the uh, – at the moment, but a lot can change. But, no, I'm completely okay. unfamiliar with Teen Titans. No idea. I know a lot of people love it, though. Yeah, I, I've heard good things generally. I have not watched anything Teen Titans-related since the other cartoon was on when I was younger. So, you know, some, some good stuff in these guys' background at least. Uh, it was also written by Matthew Fogel, who has a wild IMDb, if you want to take a look at it. But he also wrote Minions, The Rise of Gru, the recent, <laughs> the, the recent Illumination Studios movie from last year. And, of course, Illumination worked on this movie with Nintendo. But his career also began with a certain franchise. And, Keenan, I know that Christian won't know it, so I'm going to make you guess it. A certain franchise starring Martin Lawrence, but no Will Smith. Do you know what franchise I'm talking about? Um, it's the only one that matters, and I hope we're talking about Big Mama because oh, oh, that's what I was I'm talking about, about yeah. Big Mama. Big Mama Man, says, dude. Yeah. Th- Matthew Fogel's original credit is from Big Mama's Like Father, Like Son, Classic. the third in the trilogy from 2011 that was also critically reviled. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> good for Matthew Fogel here. Moving on to bigger <laughs> and better fare. Of course, there's a celebrity voice cast here. Chris Pratt, notably starring as the titular plumber Mario with a rock-solid cast behind him, including Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, and Fred Armisen, as well as a host of other fun and notable voice actors in smaller roles. So, gentlemen, at this point, it's just time to get into this review, and I'm not trying to ignore you, Christian. It's just that I get to talk to you all the time, and I don't get to talk to Keenan as often. So, Keenan, the opening question this week... That's a lie. That is a lie. 
I look get at to, our Facebook chat. I get to message with not Keenan the same, and, not yes, the same. This is much Keenan more pers- much more personal. Often, but yeah, much more personal here. I get to direct opening questions to you once a week, Christian, but I never get to direct them towards Keenan. So I'm just going to take my <laughs> opportunity. I'm here. ready. So, Keenan, as we get into this review, before we talk about our thoughts on the movie and whether it's worthy of that amazing audience score or that more muted critic score, I'm really just curious if your kids enjoyed the movie. And really, did your family have a good time out at the movies? Like, was your wife, who I'm not sure if she's a a gamer like yourself, was she kind of annoyed at it but, like, glad the kids had a good time? Did the kids like it as much as you did? I'm just curious on the family thoughts about this movie because for me that matters a little bit more than my thoughts. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. Uh, kids absolutely love the movie, and again, we've probably been in their you know short lifetime. We've probably been to about ten movies, I'd say, in the theater. Um, this was a movie that my son, at least, immediately wanted to watch it again. You know, you always hear people tell, like, and you never know if it's true or not. Like, oh, my kid was like, hey, can we watch that again, Dad? Can we watch? This was legit. The movie ended, we're walking out to the car, and he's like, can we please go watch that again? And he loved it. Loved it, loved it. And part of that is because recently he's been on a Mario kick where he's playing a ton of Mario, whether it's Smash Brothers, uh, Odyssey, 3D World. He's like really kind of in that zone right now. My daughter is... She plays occasionally, just when he's playing, or like maybe she wants to kind of join in. But um, she loved it too. She had a great time. She was laughing, fully engaged. I think my wife is the most interesting because I think my wife represents more of. I think my wife represents a lot of millennials and people kind of in my. I'm older than you guys, but in my age bracket, where she's more of a casual Mario fan. Like, played the games throughout the years. Obviously, not a hardcore fan like myself, I would say, but somebody who's familiar enough with the references, with the stuff that they, uh, you know, brought to light in this movie. And she loved it. She had a great time. She picked up on enough of it to where she would lean over to me and be like, oh yeah, that's such and such, or that's this, that's the music from this. Uh, and I think that's one of the things this movie does so well. It, and you know, we're not gonna get into my full thoughts right now, but it appeals to such a wide variety, whether it's small children, whether it's the casuals, or whether it's the hardcore fans, it kind of manages to please all of them. And I, I don't think that's necessarily easy to do because you lean too far in one direction or the other, you alienate this group. And I, I don't think they did that. I think they did a really good job of balancing it out. The reason I ask that kind of, what did your family think? You know, the people who aren't going to be on a movie podcast reviewing this movie, but just the ones who were going to hopefully have a good time at the theater is because I try to keep some perspective when I think about big movies like this, because half the time I'm a huge fan and I'm in the bag for it. And then half the time I'm not. But with a movie like the Mario movie in particular, I really want to make sure that families such as yours are getting their money's worth at the theater. Because it is so expensive to go to the movies these days before you even buy concessions. And you know your kids are going to walk in, ask for some popcorn and some ices, and you're going to be buying cookie dough bites and whatever other candies are on the, the kiddos' minds. And so Cookie dough bites are so good. Cookie dough bites are so good. And they're like a movie theater signature candy. Like, you can't find them out as often. You know, got to get them. They're solid, there. yeah. So knowing just how expensive this can get, I, I think before I start trashing this movie because mm-hmm. I was not a fan, I'm just glad that people are having a good time at the movies because I, I love the movies and we need movies like this for the business to do well. So 
at the end of the day, I'm going to be a hater here, but I'm glad that people are enjoying the movie because it's important for families in the Midwest. And you know, So this is the else. one bone you're throwing us. This well, is the one thing absolutely. you're going to be like, oh, the family is like it, however it's like. Well, hold on. Let me Christian. say one thing, though, and this is this is 100% true and maybe even more uh, relevant to what we're talking about. My theater – I don't know how your theaters were. My theater – considering I'm in the Midwest in Indiana where people don't get too riled up unless it's like college basketball or we're going to go take the combine out and like get some farming done. In in this theater, <laughs> people were bumping. It was electric. Like I'm talking kids, parents, everybody laughing, vocal, applause at the end of the movie and not that pathetic, like there's kind of a scattering of like maybe we should clap because we kind of liked it. I'm talking people were like, Let's go, Avengers Endgame style, like just just uproarious. So, and I'm not jo- I'm not really not joking. It was it was a bumping theater experience. So, Christian, how would you describe our theater for this movie? Because I'm curious if our descriptions would match up. We saw this at 7:15 on a Thursday night. We did. There were a lot of kids in that theater, and there were a lot of kids who were talking. Mm. At, or, or or okay, not in not in a negative way, not in, in an annoying way, but they were. Um, Whenever Mario would do something, like a kid would pipe up and say something, Oh, it's Mario! Whatever. I think there, there was a lot of laughter, and I do think that there are a lot of iconic scenes that generated that laughter. Now, we're going to get back to the scene I know. When Bowser started singing, I lost my mm-hmm. shit, man. It was... Peaches, peaches, peaches. The instant classic <laughs> from Jack Black. <laughs> playing the role of Bowser. They're like, they're like, Jack, uh, we need you to come up with a song in three minutes. <laughs> if, how about, I mean, yeah, you might I have had three and a half. Pushing it, man. Um, every time, like, the Blue Luma spoke, I lost it. It's, it's, I, the parts that I laughed, I know that a lot of people were laughing at. I know that there were probably people laughing at parts that I did not find funny. Overall, though, it's, they were a lively group, man. I, I do think they're a lively group, especially since most of the people who were at the theater in, in our party were not, like, the biggest moviegoers. No, and I feel like we maybe had a different experience, actually, because I I didn't notice a ton of kids in our audience. There definitely okay. were some families there, but it felt like the, the average age had to be something like, you know, I'm 27, and I feel like I was right around the median. <laughs> it felt like there were a lot of people our age, plus this is a school night evening showtime and last week mm-hmm. i only know this because my wife is a teacher but last week was spring break for los angeles united and so maybe there were more kids there who could have been there because they weren't going to school on friday but even so it felt like a pretty older crowd and i honestly only noticed the only laughter i noticed except for the few laugh lines were the was the guy sitting next to me who keenan i he was like probably in between our ages i would say late 20s early 30s and this guy just kept chuckling every time there was an Easter egg that he recognized, whether it was them going down into the sewers of Manhattan and it said le- level 1-2, 1-2 or whatever, or the Punch-Out Pizzeria at the beginning of the movie, or some music cue kicked in that he recognized. And that was the guy that I was sitting next to. So maybe my maybe if I had sat near the end of the row like you were, Christian, I would have noticed the the joyful children. But, <laughs> but I only got Scott. The you were sitting. You, you were sitting next nerd. to the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Indeed, indeed, I was. He was pointing at the screen verbally a lot. And I have to say that guy is sort of a segue into my general thoughts on the movie. 
I think that guy represents what annoys me about the Mario movie, aside from the fact that obviously Nintendo and Illumination made a movie that was designed to sell Nintendo Switches and tickets to Super Nintendo World and Mario t-shirts and lunchboxes. I understand that. But I also feel like this movie is torn between being a family adventure and being a Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the screen, looking at the Easter egg movie for the nerds and the people who have been playing these games for the past 40 years because this year will mark 42 years of Mario. I think the last I I looked this up and I'm pretty sure that's the number. And I, the, the adventure itself to me was so bland and basic having seen movies like this over the years. Of course, I mean, we've all seen a family adventure movie like this felt so bland and it was just basically Mario flavoring it's in the mushroom kingdom it's got the recognizable characters and the the bored celebrity voice actors <laughs> like there was so little that was particularly special to me about this movie other than the fact that yes finally a mario movie that's not a disaster starring bob hoskins and john leguizamo so i guess try to convince me you know why why am i being too cynical here <laughs> because okay, for me, i am it felt so like it was sorry a disappointment but and, and and the comparison you're going to scoff at immediately but but Please, give me the time of day. What the frick is the difference story-wise between Pocahontas and Avatar? I mean, I'm not going to scoff at that because that's like the number one criticism for Avatar is that it's Pocahontas in space. Exactly. So it doesn't matter that this is a basic story. Or at least that is not the... No, I'm not going in... I don't care who Mario and Luigi are. I also and didn't I say think... basic. I said bland. I, I, and there's a difference. I am, Avatar is a bland story. It's a bland plot. So is Avatar The Way of Water. There are other reasons why I go to the movie theater for it. Now, from the very first scene of Bowser attacking the Ice Kingdom to uh, when they are still in Brooklyn and they go through the construction site and they make it look like it's just one level of Mario, that is what you are there for. You are there to see scenes taken almost directly from a video game. It's not about the story. We don't care about these Brooklyn people. I think I think the the biggest thing is that I don't think I can argue with the critics and I'm not going to try. I think it's a matter of what do you expect from a Mario movie? Could this movie have been better? Yes, but most movies could be better. If you really start Monday morning quarterbacking all the sure, different things yeah. they could do. So I think you look at the characters, you look at the franchise for like you said the past 40 some years. What do people who are going to see this brought to the big screen for the first time, what do we want to give them? For second time. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. Yeah, for the second. But for, <laughs> We can't count that movie from the 90s. But, I mean, exactly, right, exactly. It's night and day. And, and I feel like the average person has no idea that movie even exists. And that's what, people, that's what people were not expecting. So it's like, okay, what do we give these fans? What do we give the people? So think of Mario in the characters around Mario. The stories have always been non-existent. There is no story in Mario. It's a loosely held together string of blah, 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 just to get... Bowser kidnaps Bingo. Peach. So Mario has to go to the lava world and it, the forest world and the underwater world. And I guess yeah. what I'm saying is that doesn't excuse, like, no story, but it makes sense in the fact that the people who go to those games because they love the characters, and obviously the platforming, but they love the characters. That's why those characters have endured for 40 plus years without a big screen adaptation other than what we mentioned. So I think when you, you analyze it from what do people want from this movie, like, sure, they could have gone a Pixar route, 
They could have even gone a Lego movie route and tried to make it more adult humor, witty, all this stuff. But it's like at the end of the day, they made a decision to try to give all generations who love this character and these characters the best experience possible. You lean too hard into the Pixar route, I think people are going to be like, it was really good, but it, I don't know if it had that like sugary rush that we want from Mario. And if you lean too hard into the adult, more adult kind of oriented Lego route, uh, I just don't know if it appeals to the younger kids as much. And, and also, the Lego movie, I think, had the chance to take more liberties with how they portrayed Legos because people kind of project their own stuff onto Legos. Like, Legos isn't as embedded as Mario is, right? Like, Lego... And, and Lego, it's also not like... The Lego movie isn't adapting a book or a video game. It's like, what what can we do with Legos and then make a movie out of it? Exactly, right, exactly. So it's almost like, to me, I guess my, my kind of uh, broad level thoughts here, it's an, experience, it's an experience movie. And that's why I agree. I don't think Avatar, and we even mentioned John Wick, and I know that made Scott's uh, head explode. Nope, no pun I, intended. That, but, that Facebook chat that we reference, like, I, I get way too angry and triggered in that chat on the daily, but that <laughs> moment almost made me, here, here's, like, I was lying up uh, I was lying up at night wondering shaking. what I could do to, like, save Kaysen's soul. Kaysen being the other super color brother who's not here. The Luigi to Keenan's Mario. Here's, here's the thing. Here's why I think they're apt comparisons is because you are it just comes back to expectations and giving the audience what they want and i know scott you weren't feeling it as much but i think for a vast majority of people based on the the reactions and based on the cinema score um it delivered for most people and what christian said this movie is not about story it's not about the plot it's about these creative sequences and i do think there was a lot of creativity here it wasn't just like a paint by numbers soulless cash grab there were some really cool moments that for fans of these the the games throughout the years like you mentioned christian just one example of many but the beginning when they totally pan out and give you the 2d mario and luigi traversing through brooklyn trying to get to their plumbing job it's it, as the music is playing it's just like oh this is cool like i like this and there were a lot of moments sprinkled throughout so I'm sure we'll talk more about those in a second, but I I have one more thing to say in regarding this, but uh, and I, I do hate the franchise comparison. However, look at Ant Man and the Lost Quantumania, which has not gotten the best reviews, and I think that one of the criticisms, also people have not gone out to see really. One of the criticisms is, look, the first Ant Man is such a fun romp, and that's what people kind of wanted from this movie. Now, that doesn't mean that that's what people needed to get out of this movie, but when you don't have Michael Pena in it, when a lot of the humor is kind of stripped bare, it does affect someone's viewing experience. And looking at this movie, again, going off of what Keenan said, it is creative. Like, first of all, this is not at all a bad-looking animated film. It looks gorgeous. The reason I also, didn't hate this movie is is because how beautiful it is. Like, the, the yes. animation here from Illumination is really really great stuff and it's it's not just looking gorgeous but it is looking creative for example the training sequence that mario undergoes with princess peach how they show you again basically all of the things that would be in a mario level and instead of panning out this time you're actually zoomed in so you're seeing the character rush through it all in a way that we have not been able to do so necessarily in one of the video games or it's like much more vivid than what the video game would show you. That's incredible stuff right there. 
and I think the other thing, real quick, Scott, before I let you uh, destroy this, um, I think <laughs> I think that uh, I just said something nice about the, it. I mean, <laughs> this this is not to like. I normally don't like when people do this, but I'm about to do it. This is not to like scoff off criticism because I know that's kind of the point of this podcast and just like reading critical reaction in general. But at the end of the day, it really does kind of come down to like, this is a Mario movie, you know? And it's like, it, you, again, it, I just keep going back to experience. Like, it, I, I think they're, they would be crazy to not put as many member berries into this movie, as many Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Like, that is what people want. And I think there's nothing wrong with just giving people what they want sometimes. It is nice occasionally to Ryan Johnson subvert expectations, but I don't think for this that made sense. I think they, you could say they took the safe route, but I would also say they took the smart route. And <laughs> just, you know, kind of gave people what so it's especially when whenever i go into a john wick movie and you get upset because i hate the dialogue or some of the world building you go that's not what you go into a john wick movie for now without going into my criticisms of john wick or some things in the franchise i i think that you can't have that leveled against what i will say for john wick and then have that put against the expectations for the mario movie i mean to be fair you you've thrown similar criticisms I, I don't have anything coming to mind right now so i can't really defend myself but you've gone to some movie that i find beautifully written and say the you had no idea who the characters were and, and what their motivations were or what drove them or whatever and then come to something like that i would find lesser and say you loved the writing so it, it's all opinion it, it's all art it's all how we react to it the writing in this movie is not the strong part of the movie <laughs> absolutely no. not the writing is atrocious and i wouldn't say atrocious. i don't the, think it's atrocious it's i don't think it's atrocious, atrocious. I, i've seen dumber look, look, kids. you guys have been i i as a father of three children i'm sure you have i'm so confident that yes you have. <laughs> but look the problem with the mario movie to me is that this like like you said can you describe it as like a sugar rush and i don't necessarily know if that's a good thing and I really, I, I came out of this movie wishing in a way that it was longer, which is not normally what you go, how you leave a movie. You know, sometimes if it's like a big action spectacle or something like a genre where you're really in the bag, you're like, like a romantic comedy. Oh my gosh, I could have had five more scenes of, you know, this couple going back and forth before they got together. But I really honestly could have seen 10 more minutes of this movie because the narrative is so poorly handled. It's not the simplicity that's bad. I wasn't expecting a complex story from a Mario movie. The, like you said, the games are not known for their narratives. They're, they're simple. They get you playing. But that's the point, is that the games have great gameplay. That is why you play them, because it's fun to control Mario. It's fun to explore these, the levels or the worlds and, and collect stars or whatever he's collecting that particular game. And the narrative here is so streamlined and so chopped up that you barely get to sit in one location for more than a few minutes at a time before they're scurrying you along to the next quote-unquote fun sequence where there comes a new celebrity giving a lame vocal performance or a new needle drop song that we definitely didn't need in this movie because Brian Tyler, who's the composer here, adapts Koji Kondo, the composer from the Mario series, adapts his music beautifully and it gets overwritten so often by songs from the 80s that are clearly not for the kids in the audience. They're for the parents who had to take them to the movie. And while I respect the hat tip to the parents who know those songs, the music was already really good. 
And that's my problem here is that every every time there's sort of a good idea or something that is fun, it gets undercut once again by the pure business decisions here. A lot of these actors are people that I like. I like Seth Rogen, but he's not a good Donkey Kong because he's just literally just reading his lines and he, doing he the Seth Rogen. He is not a strong laugh. Donkey Kong. D- yeah, thank disagree. You. <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome to disagree Keenan. but again it's it's the problem of celebrity voice actors right is that half the time you get something like jack black who is so funny and fun here as bowser because he's actually giving a performance but then you also get seth rogan who's just kind of reading his lines and literally doing the seth rogan <laughs> that was laugh. amazing that was unbelievable what do you what do you when he, when he good, seth rogan laughs good. at mini mario come on dude and the thing is really- but then that just reminds me this isn't donkey kong that's seth rogan and maybe you know maybe i have too high of expectations but all of the artistry and creativity from Illumination, like the animators, the people actually making this movie, felt just disrespected by the very corporate filmmaking style that you could feel the higher-ups and Nintendo forcing on them. No, the movie's got to be shorter. We need, it, we need it to be shorter so the kids don't lose, you know, don't lose the attention. No, we need more random 80s rock songs. Like, oh, let, let's fit... You know, let's fit Anya Taylor-Joy in here. She can be Princess Peach. <laughs> you know? Just felt so soulless to me. And if anything, I didn't want a Mario movie to feel soulless. And, and the beautiful animation saves it a little bit for me. But the narrative and, like, the thing we're supposed to be investing in here in the movie, these characters and the story they're going on was just hollow. Yeah, but when you say soulless, like, to me, that is the equivalent of if you go into – again, I just keep going back to this is Super Mario. Like, it's supposed to make you feel happy and visually spectacular and give you the sh- I think the sugary rush is what Mario is. If you if we go into exam- for example, if we go into um I'm trying to think of like what would be a good franchise you could say that has built up all this mythology. Like okay, if we go into Dead Reckoning Part 1, right? And that that's a movie I could describe as soulless if it just completely betrays everything it's built up. But the Mario movie kind of is what Mario is. So, like, I don't look at it as soulless. I just look at it as, like, they kind of just gave people what they were expecting with Mario. It wasn't like there was some pristine, prestigious history of Mario, and they were just like, eh, let's just slap this on the screen. It was like they kind of just piggybacked off of what Mario is and the feelings he gives people who likes Mario. You know, and it's not to take away from the criticism. It's just to say that that's why I don't really like the soulless complaint is because I feel like the people who made this genuinely cared. They did just make business decisions, though, that were kind of like we talked about. How do we make the most people enjoy this movie? But that's how I mean, that's Hollywood. And let's go back to the let's go back to the John Wick comparison, because John Wick movies are just set piece after set piece. Just trying to wind me up, Christian. (laughs) One hundred percent. But they're just set piece. They're just action piece after action piece. I mean, that's that's. so not remotely the, true. Like that's here's, such a lame the, criticism of those it's, movies. <laughs> it's very much so not hinging on the acting performance of these people, but on how well they can punch and kick. Right now, we don't need strong vocal performances from the celebrities here. Who, apart from Jack Black, and honestly, I did like Chris Pratt as Mario. I I was surprised. I was anxious going into this movie because I didn't think he was giving a good performance based on the trailers. But I actually I found him to be okay. Not like you know I I I mean even the Lego Movie I prefer his his vocal performance there. But uh, it didn't sink the movie for me. I I thought he was he was all right. I think there is. I, I think that you can say that you weren't a fan of the different set pieces here, and I think that's one criticism that I would understand. However. 
I love the fact that even for like five minutes, we were able to see Rainbow Road, not because, you know, it added necessarily to it, but because it's a fantastic sequence of people making their own carts and then a fantastic sequence of being on Rainbow Road and then a fantastic sequence of being attacked on Rainbow Road. And I, I yes, it is. It is, I um, I heard a critic, Charles Holmes, who said this best, it is not an airtight 90 minutes, it's a vacuum sealed, there's absolutely no room for anything 90 minutes. Like that, yes, we have no character development here, but also, it's a very simple narrative, and the plot points took me to the next logical part of the story. So... I enjoyed it. I loved what I was seeing. I loved the video game aspect. It was, okay, he lands in Mushroom Kingdom. He does not have Luigi with him. He is able to find Peach to help him. He recruits people. They go on their way. So it's it, it makes sense to me, and it's fun. It is so fun to sit there with it. And my favorite part of the cart driving sequence is when one of the Koopas in Bowser's army, whose uh, whose giant tank that he's driving has crashed, he then gets out of it, uh, and, and he audibly says, Blue Shell! And then he commits a suicide bombing on Mario and Donkey Amazing. Kong. I love suicide bombings in my children's films. Dude, he's the Blue Shell! So we can he's get the blue someone shell, to dude. say Blue Shell. Come on, man. Don't you love it in Mario Kart when the guy says Blue Shell as you throw the <laughs> dude, shell? the Blue Shell part was hype as hell. I was so in, zo I was so in the zone on that. But I... So I just didn't need that many kamikaze references in my Mario okay. movie. Maybe that's just me. Okay. Well, okay. You know, one or two is fine. Now, here's the thing. Christian, I think... <laughs> Have you forgotten John Wick Chapter 2 when she slices Ugh. her wrists vertically? No, I love that we Christian, just keep going back to John Wick. R-rated action movie and not a children's film <laughs> adapted from a beloved video game franchise. Here, here's the, okay, here's the thing. Go, Christian go, was please. talking about this. I think he's right. It's not that I'm defending like the, the plot of the movie, but it wasn't as egregious of when you talk about just random sequences. It wasn't like they just cut to some random side story and they're all in the Mario karts just driving around for no reason. It's like everything that happened whether it was the fight with Donkey Kong that kind of reminded us of Smash Brothers even the moveset Donkey Kong was using awesome. Uh, the Mario Kart sequence. The 2D sequence we mentioned earlier uh, with Mario and Luigi the, the Princess Peach training stuff. It was all loosely held together and kind of like flowing based on what was happening in the story. So I'm just saying, I think if they really were just trying to throw everything at the wall and, and just g give you all that stuff, it could have been worse. There could have been literally no cohesion and it would have been like, let's just cut over here to where like, you know, uh, they're playing Mario golf for no reason. So if this movie was not about Mario and it was about Giuseppe, the the Italian plumber whisked away to the fungi kingdom. Mm. Would you be saying the same things? Because it feels like everybody is doing their best to like defend Mario because they feel some sort of loyalty to the franchise, and Nintendo got it right this time instead of thirty years ago when they didn't. The re and I, I feel like I if this wasn't no Mario, loyalty movie, to Mario, people wouldn't have I, said I, the same I, things. No, I, I have absolutely no loyalty to Mario, and, and please, yes, I like the games, but no, I, I, I played Super Smash Brothers when my when my friends invited me because I never had it for myself. The no, it's it's. I don't think it's that. I do think it is that if Giuseppe whisked away to the Fungi Kingdom, 
has a fascinating training sequence that takes you into it and makes you feel more like you're in a video game than any other movie I have seen. And that is the highest praise I'm going to give this movie. No, it is not a perfect movie. The only thing that maybe it reaches perfection on is that it is the most as though I have felt like I am inside doing the turns and the jumps and almost being hit by a fireball that any movie has made me feel like. So good for Giuseppe, yes. It's, I don't think it is that it is Mario. I do think Mario adds to it. And maybe, like, if it were Giuseppe, I would feel detracted because I, like, we don't get the background of the characters and maybe I would want Giuseppe's background. But, yeah, I, 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 I know I, there is something to how special this animation and this action is. I'm not just saying that because it's Mario. I think the, re uh, that's, I think that, you did a good job of like defending it from a critical standpoint, but I guess I would say, Scott, I think that's an unfair question because so much of the enjoyment of the movie is Mario and your your memories of him. And that's why it kind of goes back to what I said at the very beginning. It's not even that I disagree with the Rotten Tomatoes score or the critical reception because as a movie, I think you can pick it apart. But it's like unfair to remove the Mario equation because that's what gives the viewers joy. And, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where I think it's going to hit everybody different. It's not that I can blame you for not feeling, feeling the uh, excitement and the energy, but... I guess I would just say this is one of those cases where I don't think there needs to be a war between critics and fans like you're saying and I think there is a little bit of that breaking out just I don't know how serious that is but um, I it happens so often on social media and normal people just go on with their day and maybe they're like oh like critics didn't like the Mario movie I thought it was fun oh well and then they go on with their lives but those of us who are terminally online constantly on Twitter that's where the obnoxious battles break I, out. So feel free to ignore. But I, I think no, I, I I hear you. But I think the reason this is maybe hitting a little more in that regard is because this is almost like I think the fan. I'm not saying this, but I think a lot of the people who probably are um, confused about the critics, they look at them as being. We were joking in the beginning, obviously, but as being like joyless. Like, why can't you just have fun? You know, like, why can't you just have a good time and just, like, lean into the sugary goodness? And I know that's not a critic's job, necessarily. You know, so it's not—that's why I don't blame them, but— I want to ask you yeah, a question, and, and though, Scott. What's, before we get there, I, I want to hear it. But it, it is—like, while we're on the kind of the critics versus fans sort of discourse, like, it is funny. Because this year has been dominated both financially and critically by franchises. Creed Three. Well received critically, made a bunch of money. John Wick Chapter Four. We're talking about John Wick. Very well received critically, made a bunch of money. We had Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. So not like a series that we're working with, but a, again, an IP, an intellectual property. Well received by critics, made a bunch of money, is currently making money. So uh, Scream Six too, big horror franchise, made a bunch of money. Well received critically. So you know, it's. I think critics do know how to have fun, and they get sometimes chided by fans for not liking specific movies from specific franchises when you can look at the data and say, I'm sure there's some jerk critic out there who gave all those movies negative reviews, and they need to lighten up a little bit. There's an issue with what you're saying. There's very much so an issue with what you're saying. Almost everything that we have referenced, um, Dungeons & Dragons is different, but it, it is kind of, I guess you can point to other action movies that have preceded it. This is a video game adaptation. And yes, we can point, sure, at The Last of Us. But 
we are not people don't necessarily like the nostalgia that is brought on by video games and i i i am not trying to cast this upon all critics video games are different uh because they haven't really broken through movie franchises have broken through that's why they're movie franchises we're, we're, we're not really at a level where people know, I think, how to necessarily critically read a video game movie, especially one that is trying to focus much more on gameplay and showing gameplay on screen rather than showing action and adventure on screen. Well, I mean, Christian, that doesn't make any sense because Ooh. I see what you're saying is that, like, video games have not fared well critically usually, but that's because the problem is that you play a game and the, the interactivity is the point and that is the fun of it. And that is why video games tend to be hard to adapt into TV shows or movies because when you remove the, the element of playing the story or, or Mario, you're like you're running around a level, stomping on Goombas and, and collecting coins. Like the fun of Mario is the playing of it, seeing how it's character feels to control but it's not necessarily the adaptation i am struggles. getting i am getting enjoyment out of how gameplay is being presented on screen well i mean that I just, is I where i am getting gameplay. enjoyment from this movie then, and yeah, i do think that if you get people that, who so are not necessarily seeing or are not necessarily aware of how gameplay can be portrayed on screen i do think that can skew what you're getting of the movie if that is what you're focusing on and also kind of going back to keaton's earlier point if mario is splashed on the cover you should be going into it kind of expecting something that has to do with mario it's like getting a movie I don't know, based on a biopic on Queen Elizabeth and, and, and being upset that there's like that Queen Elizabeth is on screen. Well, it, it, yeah, it, well, here's the here's the thing kind of touching on that, too. I was thinking about the, the thing with Mario that kind of transcends any other game, I would argue any other game that's ever existed is that generationally everybody has some kind of touchstone to things that they remember, whether it's the music. I mean, you could talk to my parents and if you go dun 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 they would like know that, you know, you yeah. talk to somebody else and they would be so in tune with uh, the green shells from Mario Kart, the blue shell, you know, just little things like that that have almost gone beyond games and have kind of become not like meme worthy, but, you know, just things that are talked about outside of the gaming space. So, it, I mean, Mario as a character is he is probably the most well-known video game character because everybody, even our moms, they've all done a, Mar a race in Mario Kart. Yeah. Or they've played a match in Super Smash Brothers. You and, know? and it just goes back, though, to, like, everybody has those amazing collective experiences with friends and family of getting hit with the blue shell. of And it, it's casual, getting hit with the blue shell. Or the sound effects when you go down the pipe. Or all these things that everybody knows. And that's why I think the movie was in a position where it had to deliver on those things. It had to have everybody in the theater be like, yes! This is making me happy. I'm tying this to a good time in my life. <laughs> Whether it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I remember this and I love it. And I know that, you know, uh, that can, too much of that can be detrimental, but it just kind of keeps going back to like, that's why I think this movie had to be fast paced, had to be, let's try to get as many of this, as many of these things in as we can uh, to just make people feel good. But. I wanted to, Scott, the, Keenan, you, yeah, you had a question, lay it the, on me. the question I wanted to ask you, because I kind of disagree with your, both of your assessments of the voice talents here. I thought everybody did a great job, except Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, 
was a very bizarre <laughs> choice. Like, that was. It's weird. not even that I have some like you know super uh, clear cut picture of what Cranky Kong is, but it didn't sound like that in my in my mind. You know, I was expecting more like a angry old man, like gruff old man, and it just didn't come across right. But other than that. As soon as Charlie Day and Chris Pratt started having back and forths, I bought into it right away. I'm like, I like this. I like how they – it's not too much in any direction. They're not – because you had mentioned Jack Black, but, I mean, part of the reason is he's obviously playing the most bombastic, uh, you know, over-the-top character. So he gets to go a little harder. But Mario and Luigi were perfect. They sounded uh, they sounded great. And I think the problem is Anya Taylor-Joy didn't really get to do a lot. But, you know, I mean, as far as vocally, but – it's fine. It was whatever. Right. Like, Peach gets some really cool moments because, you know, she gets to fight off a bunch of bad guys, but it's not necessarily Anya Taylor-Joy speaking her way through those scenes. Right. And, so I know and, 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 I just the la- and then I'll get to my question, I promise. But as far as Rogan goes, um, I just think he has such a naturally, to me, like, entertaining presence and voice, just with his voice, that I don't think he needed to do too much to it. I mean, I know he's done a lot of voice work before. We've heard his voice so much. But for some reason, as goofy and dumb as Donkey Kong looked with, like, his goofy eyes and just kind of the way he was animated, hearing Rogan's laugh come out of him was just really... uh, Even the little post-game... argument they had after their fight when when donkey kong kind of comes back and starts shit talking mario even more he's like just so you know i let you win <laughs> and just trashing him i liked it i thought it was really funny but my question to each their own <laughs> my, my question for you scott was gonna be what did you just think of what did you think of the characters in general uh, i mean there's nothing there uh, <laughs> okay so like, like just the characters I, spending time with them mario luigi interacting with peach all that like bowser like every, I mean, everything that I liked about it, maybe, you know, Peach's sort of like established butt kicking presence, you know, we only get a small amount of that. Mario goes on a very familiar hero's journey in a lot of like kids movies or family movies that we've seen before. Luigi is, is almost literally not a character in that he gets cut out of most of the movie. So we don't really get a chance to spend time with him. And so I just I just didn't really have any like any favorable opinions towards these characters, and it's like, and again, it's it, I I, as a guy who loves video games, it was nice to see Mario in a movie, but it's as a person who also loves movies, there wasn't a whole lot to grab onto. Okay, yeah, I was just curious because I mean, and that's that's fine. I was just curious because, to me, I really. I, I like seeing these characters brought to life so much that it was it made me uh, forgive the plot. Like I just liked being with them. Like oh, I love seeing uh, Luigi interact with the Luma in the cage. I love seeing Bowser talk to his little Koopas and his little uh, Comet. What's the guy's name? His little wizard Kamek. Uh, yeah, yeah the, like, like I just like seeing all that so much that I wasn't even really thinking about the plot. I'm like oh, this is awesome. I'm seeing Luigi, you know, interact with the shy guys. I love it. So I I, I fully admit that I wasn't thinking as critically uh, because I was so caught up in all that. I, I think that it's different in that I know I'm not going to sit here and say that they are the best voice actors in the world, but this this wasn't a movie that was demanding that I pay attention to the voice actors. Just like it's not a movie that is demanding that I necessarily pay attention to the plot, but much more so in what that is in service to. And so the the main two characters are Mario and Bowser. Yes, Peach is there. Maybe like that is the only thing I have to say against Anya Taylor-Joy is that she's such a major character. 
but she's she's not trying to do something special with it. However, uh, everyone, I mean, everyone else, for what I was seeing come through for Mario and Bowser, I liked it. I, I liked what they were doing. Donkey Kong, I will say, it, it was the only time where I go, you have a major scene and you're not doing anything with it. I like that they, they basically uh, copied Bowser to Jack Black. Like, Bowser's energy and just the way he was in the movie, they, they pretty much just uh, cloned Jack Black, which was smart. I think that's a good direction. I was telling, uh, I was talking a year ago, whenever they announced this, that I wonder if they'll make Bowser kind of like Drax, where he's like this dopey, kind of like, you know, uh, big lughead. And they didn't really do that. They made him much more Jack Blackish, like manic energy all over the place. And I think it worked for a movie like this. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say the one thing that did, you know, disappoint me a little bit, and this gets thrown at these kinds of big budget animated movies all the time, is that all of the gifted voice actors are relegated to small characters because they don't sell movie theater tickets. So someone like Kevin Michael Richardson or Carrie Payton or Ashley Birch, who people might actually know from um, Mythic Quest. She's one of the characters in that live action show, but also the voice of Aloy in, in the Horizon uh, video games on PlayStation. There's all of these gifted voice actors on the side even the original mario charles martinet he has a couple of small roles here as members of the one member of the mario family and, and one other character who shows up near the beginning uh and so it just you know it's like I, I always wish that those kinds of people would get their opportunity in a movie like this where it doesn't matter if if chris pratt or whoever is the voice of mario like kids are going to want to see the mario movie it would have been cool to give a voice actor even if it's not charles martinet like an actual trained voice actor there time in the spotlight for okay. something like so, this. Two things. There are great actors who are also great voice actors. Jack and the Black? One, right there? Jack Black? Uh, honestly, uh, uh, Holly Hunter. I mean, come on. Incredigirl? Mm. Elastigirl, Elastigirl! Yes. It, it's, it's that, that is a great vocal performance, but also, like, The Incredibles is a profound family drama. And... I'm so sorry to say this. Super Mario Brothers is not. So it it is. I'm I'm not missing someone here who needs to do a profound thing. Also, this call will end in six minutes. Ooh, I was threatening. about to say, fellas, I could talk about the Mario movie until uh, until midnight tonight. But our Google is literally going to end this call. So, Keenan, one last thought from you, and then unfortunately we got to wrap things Wait, up. Wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, oh shoot. Oh no, I have so much more I wanted to say. No, I wanted to talk real quick about our favorite <laughs> moments and le <clears throat> least favorite moments. I want to give a huge shout out to the part where Toad is on Rainbow Bridge when Mario is flirting with Peach and uh, Donkey Kong rolls up and he's like, was that your idea of flirting? Like, you'll never get with her. Then Toad pulls up in his Humvee with the glasses and he's like, doesn't he shout something like in his high pitched voice? Like, yes, he will. He'll totally get her. He says, Keegan-Michael Key, who we haven't really talked about, is... Like, the Toad is barely used as a character, but he gives a very funny it's performance great. as the Toad. Again, actually acting. Like, he's pitched up his voice. He's trying Really something. funny. Um, the entire end of the movie when Donkey Kong and Mario team up with, this, with the uh, power-ups, and it's just, like, five minutes of bliss on screen of just platforming and jumping around. I was losing. It was, it was essentially, like, the end of Endgame. And then uh, I'm, te I'm telling you, when 
when uh, Luigi comes through with the shield and is blocking the fire, I was getting emotional. I felt tears in my face. I was feeling it. I was I was like thinking about your boy Casey. I was. I was like the heart of Chicago. Himself. This is so awesome, and I know it's a dumb kids movie, but I was feeling it. I'm like, yes, because th- again, it's like that's Mario and Luigi. Those are my dudes from 42 years ago, Scott and Christian. So there were some hype moments. Um, real quick. I'll, I'll give my favorite part. I'll give my favorite part. I, I, I think it had to be every time Luma spoke. Because mm-hmm. I think it, it, I think it's the director's daughter the doing director's it. and daughter, she goes, Juliet Jelenic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at one point, Luma goes, all we can hope for is the sweet release of death. <laughs> and that is exactly what I hope for all the way till the How credits roll. You. Folks, that is the Super Mario Brothers movie. It is in theaters, and I'm sure it's going to be there for quite a while. Go ahead and check it out for yourself. See if you side with me or maybe with Keenan and Christian. Keenan, your podcast with your brother, Kaysen, who we've mentioned a couple times here, is the Hollywood Week podcast. Go ahead and tell folks where they can find you guys and that show. That's exactly right, Scott. Thank you for the uh, for the hype. Hollywood Week podcast. You can find it wherever you listen or download your podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Hollywood underscore week, or you can find us on Facebook if you search Hollywood Week. It's a good time. I think we will be talking about the Mario Brothers movie soon. And uh, you guys go a lot longer than we do, so I'm sure... <laughs> And Kaysen really liked the movie as well. So I'm sure that you guys are going to have a, a love Four fest. hours later, we're still talking about the music. <laughs> anyway. And Christian, of course, things will continue here on our show, the Cinema Drip Podcast, as our video games movie month get, kicks off. Uh, I am going to change it up a little bit on you. There's a movie I told you was coming next that's definitely still going to happen. So don't worry, Christian. We're going to get to it. But as we've talked about Mario this week, it's time to talk about one of his arch rivals turned best pals in terms of competing at the Olympic Games together. We're going to be looking at Sonic the Hedgehog next week, Christian. Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2 as he's gotten his Ooh. shot to have a sequel. So What are you doing? I'm making you watch Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2. That's what I'm doing. Mario I couldn't Sonic get through version. 15 minutes of Sonic the Hedgehog. Gotta go fast. Ooh, Gotta baby. go fast. Can't can't wait to make you watch not only that, but the sequel as well. So join us next week, folks, as we go from one iconic video game character to the next and look at Sonic's forays into filmmaking here. And until next time, that is our show. So, of course, if you're still here, thank you so much for listening along. We appreciate your support. There are a few things that you can do to support the show. Number one, give us a subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or a review if it is applicable for your platform. Helps us reach new listeners and gives us a warm feeling in our hearts. So please do leave those five-star ratings. Gives us a smile. You can also send your feedback to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We regularly check that email inbox looking for your thoughts on the movies we should cover on the show or ideas you may have for a blend of the month. We've used listener feedback before, and I can't wait to do it again. So please send us your thoughts to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things we are watching. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? Happy Easter. Happy belated Easter, everybody. That was uh, last weekend from when you're getting this episode, but hope it was a good one if you celebrated. Keenan, thanks for being here. We appreciate you. And until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>